Blog Talk Radio. All the spot analysis. Am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get dead. Gotta get dead. Gotta get. Oh, 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 oh. My Appreciate favorite, it. though. Am I? You're my favorite. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I, I did not. You put me on the e meter and asked me a question, and the meter would float. If that doesn't run you off, uh, I'm going to talk a little politics here. Um, it's real simple, just something that's been bugging me that I've been thinking about. And I realize when I talk about Donald Trump and I talk about a presidency, a lot of times it uh, results in people clicking off and turning off the show and uh, stop listening. Here, here's the thing. This is the problem with, with this kind of dialogue. This is the problem with this kind of thing where we try to talk about things and someone on the other side of our argument just, just – logs off and stops you know stops listening and stops being part of the conversation we need to talk about things to resolve them or else we have this constant divide and we have no resolution like uh, that's why i had that show uh, where i talked to bo Kurowski about racial imbalance that's why scientologists to come out of scientology ex-scientologists come out and they talk about what happened because you have to talk about it you have to talk these things out people need to hear it um, so I'm going to talk, and hopefully, uh, unlike um, unlike the people who just go running away when they don't like what they hear at the first sign, I hope you stick around and listen, because that's what I do. Uh, I, I just saw somebody who I respect very much, who I follow on social media, defend Trump to the hilt yesterday. Uh, the person was being rude, to be uh, to be fair, so I didn't mind it, but at the same time, I agreed with the rude person uh, point of view. Uh, there are just some things that just kind of blow me away. Uh, for instance, uh, some of these people who don't see Trump for what he is or don't see our presidency for what it is right now are the same people who are on the Scientology and they're going, oh, I saw bogus. That's garbage. Don't feed me your lies. But you're okay with, with Trump. Uh, so um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to point out something that I pointed out in a Facebook uh, post I made recently. I'm going to go ahead and read it out. I don't make a lot of political fa- uh, Facebook posts because they annoy me too a little bit. Uh, but I was just really feeling particularly annoyed this day, and um, and basically this is what I said. I'll paraphrase and add to it a little bit, but I said, so I know – and this is a message to you Trump supporters out there who I don't judge, uh, but I wonder about. Um, so this is for Trump supporters. This message is to you. I know you only can be right. I mean uh, as I always maintained when I was a kid, I had a Super Nintendo. And uh, I had friends who said Sega Genesis was better, but I owned a Super Nintendo, and let me tell you, regardless of the fact that uh, Sega Genesis could do a lot of other things that my Super Nintendo couldn't, you know, uh, I was really jealous of those Sega owners. But I had a Nintendo, so I felt the need. But I remember I'm a kid, and, and this is a common thing though amongst kids and amongst people with their 
their systems and and my Nintendo was better. I would contend that to the end of time. My Nintendo was better because I had a Nintendo. I felt the need to defend that. Uh, but, you know, in politics, it's not a game. You know, our children's futures are being shaped right now. And they're being shaped by a man whose lies and dishonesty um, make Casey Anthony blush and David Duke proud. It would make Hitler inspired. And I don't know why you'd want this to represent you. This is undeniable, by the way. You can make opinions and go, like, oh, Trump's a jerk, he's a, he's a pedophile, or he's a sex addict, whatever. And people can go, wow, you already said that because you saw it from this news source or that news source. It was fake news. But lies are, are lies, and you can see that plainly in front of you. I mean, right, let's look at this. I have never been a person to ever talk about a president in a negative light. Like, I hate it. As wrong as he was on so many levels and as many things he did uh, bad, I was never one to talk bad of George W. Bush. Uh, but I definitely saw the bad. But it was different in the way that there were things that he did that were questionable, but we didn't have all the facts. To this day, we don't have all the facts about some of the wrongdoings of George W. Bush, but a lot of people pass judgment on that. But we see this guy lying before our eyes constantly. We see his people, Kellyanne Clownway, lying in front of our faces, being caught by the people they're calling fake news during the fact-checking. So, I mean, look, you might disagree with this, and that's fine. You can disagree with this. But if you do, you might want to wish the victims of the families of the Bowling Green Massacre well and possibly get rid of the Statue of Liberty, of Liberty because she clearly doesn't represent you anymore. Uh, I know if it wasn't for immigration, I, I and many of you listening right now, even the ones supporting Trump, wouldn't be here today, and you all didn't get here legally. I can tell you that. So that's just how I feel about it. Um, I, I don't understand it. I understand thinking that people are being too tough on them over things that are said in the media that may or may not be true, claims of hacking, whatever. But it's the shit that we can see in front of our face. That you guys turn a blind eye to. And again, some of you are the same people saying, you know, calling bullshit on Scientology, but you don't see the bullshit on Trump and his administration. It drives me crazy. Uh, but that's all I wanted to say. So that was the way I fill in for not preparing very well for the show. Anyway, <laughs> please enjoy part one of my conversation with Michael Montgomery. All right, my guest today, my first athlete, my, my a former. NFL player for the Green Bay Packers, current actor, and if I understand correctly, a bit of an inspirational public speaker, uh, Michael Montgomery. Welcome to the show, Michael. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm blessed to be on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, I appreciate appreciate you being on, man. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. I have a lot of stuff to ask you about. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, when I start researching doing an interview, I, I do a little bit of digging, and your mom was Rosie Walker, who to a lot of people might not stand out, but she was a Hall of Fame women's basketball player. Is that right? Yeah, yes, sir. She was uh, a big inspiration for me uh, to, to to excel in sports, not only as uh, you know an athlete, but as a person. She was a, a good, tremendous woman, woman of Christ, and, and just, uh, she was a perfect role model for me. Man, I tell you, when uh, when I go looking this up, again, like I said, it's not going to stand out to a lot of people, but if you look her up on the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame site, uh, her credentials are endless. And then you attest to just the type of human being she was and how she raised you and how that helped you become who you are today. That's 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 amazing. 
oh man, it was it was amazing. I mean, you know, as a kid, I remember going into you know her 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 office at at the house, and she would have you know uh, Hall of Fame trophies and Olympic trophies and, and MVPs, <laughs> multiple, and you know being a Hall of Famer inducted in two thousand one uh, during my senior year of high school was a really, really awesome sight to see, to see that all her hard work, sacrifice, and perseverance was was, was a, a, just a tremendous journey for for me as her son to see her do something like that. You know, I, owe, I always tell myself, you know, um, my transition out of sports, well, and when I was in sports, I always push myself, try to be better. Because, um, you know, I always want to live up to my mother. Uh, that was a extra incentive that uh, I, I kept pushing myself because I always wanted to make my mother proud. Uh, she was a really good woman, woman woman of God, um, you know, because I tried to emulate my life after after her, and I tried to be successful like her. You know, she's a Hall of Fame player, top 10 woman basketball player in the world, and she just told me, she said, son, I just treated people right. I worked hard, and and uh, that's it. You know, don't 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 try to make it too big. Just try to make it focus on little things at once. And oh. she was just tremendous, tremendous sight to see. Yeah, it's always inspiring to hear something like that. I mean, here you're talking about, and I don't want to make like a race thing, but but a black woman in an athletic sport. I mean, we're going back to the 70s and 80s to have that kind of impact and shape you into uh, the determined person you are today. I, I really think is commendable and speaks speaks loudly about you know everything that people talk about today about things that uh, we want to see more in society of of a general acceptance and inspiration in that way. It's it's really cool. I didn't word that very well, but you know what I'm saying, Michael. Yeah, I, exactly. I I know exactly what you're saying. It, hey, you know, a black woman coming from uh, the 70s out of a, a small town in Emerson, Arkansas. You know, the population was like maybe 200 people. Right. <laughs> My mother came from a, a big, big, uh, big family. Uh, I have uh, 13 aunties and uncles. So, she, you know, so, so we, we coming, she's coming out of a, a small little country town, you know, 200 people from ba- playing basketball out of a, a wooden hoop. Uh, to 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 go into a big college, uh, well, going to a junior college in Panola Junior College in Carthage, Texas, to be uh-huh. an All-American two years in a row and win national championship, and then going to SSA, another college in Texas, and getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, and, and then third retired, and then going playing professional and winning championships in Olympics. And uh, recently, a couple of days ago, she sent me a picture of her in Olympics. And she was playing uh, America was the Pan American game. She was playing uh, Russia, and she showed me a picture of her playing against a woman that was seven feet. Wow! From Russia, yeah. Well, that's that's, that's great. Go ahead. And for her birthday, I um I I got some old film from her because uh, she back then they made like projected movies from her. Real to real. And, yeah. Yeah, I, and I and I transferred it over to DVDs, and it was in black and white, and had that vintage look, it was so cool. (laughs) 
That's all great, man. I, I think that's amazing. And, and like I said, I think people should should really take notice that this is a thing. And um, uh, but but imagine, I imagine having her for your mother. You were born athletic, like you came out of the womb tackling people. You know. <laughs> oh man, I, I I have a picture, and I wish I, I I'm gonna send it to you when y'all. But I have a picture. When I was a baby, my mother took a picture, a baby picture of me holding a football, and. You know, I don't know. Maybe they say they say athletes are, are made, but I think I was born with a football, and I have proof to proof to show it. And, but you were also quite athletic in basketball as well, right? But I mean, I guess you, your love actually leaned more towards football. Yeah, uh, yeah I first started off. Um, you know, I was tall and lanky, and you know, I had my mom, and I always thought I always had a plan: play basketball, go to Duke. And go to the NBA because, uh, you know, basketball was a tremendous love for me. I also played basketball in uh, college, too. So I played uh, two, two sports in college, in junior college, and uh, did very well uh, for my team, you know, and, and I always loved dunking, dunking on people. That was, <laughs> they used to call me Baby Shaq. Baby back Shaq. In the day. Yeah, Baby Shaq. All right, that's cool. Baby Shaq. All right, well, um... Oh, you... oh yeah, and one fun fact. Um, I broke a backboard on in a celebrity game in Green, in, in uh, Wisconsin when I was playing for the Packers. That's, that's, that's something I need to, I need to find that video. I need to find that video. Yeah, I, I, I've been try, I was trying to find, it was, it was, I was so scared. I, you know, when you had, when you see it, you thought it'd be so cool, but... Because I was running down the lane on a fast break, and the running back who was dribbling the ball, he was ahead of me. He just turned around and passed me the ball, and I came down and Shaq diesel it. <laughs> and I took it hard, and the glass just shattered, and I closed my eyes because I didn't want this, I, the glass to shatter in my eyes. Right. So I closed my eyes, and I, I, as soon as I got on the ground, I took off running, and glass just went everywhere, like like a scene off a of, uh, NBA Jam. That yeah, <laughs> the shattered backwards. It was, just, yeah. Yeah, the, it was like, boom, and this glass just shattered, and I took off running. The glass was going everywhere. And, you know, they had to wait like an hour and a half. Replace it. To put on another backboard. And by then, you know, they they had us doing autograph signings. And instead of people signing pictures, they wanted me to sign the backboard glass. He was taking glass, and I was the backboard glass. I've never heard of anyone being injured by that. I think it's a little, it's like a thick glass, right? It's kind of like a bulletproof glass almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was a, a crazy. I was like, and then, I, and then I was like, I, you know, and I was, you know, I think I was in my second year, and I was like, man, this gets back to Green Bay. You know, Coach Mike McCarthy is gonna fire me. I don't want to fire the players for breaking the backboard in the Liberty game. And he called me, and he said, "Hey, man, I heard you had a, a big turnout down there." I was like, "Oh, hey, Coach, man, it was not, I'm sorry, please." And he was like, "No, don't worry about it." So Green Bay, they funded uh, uh, the re, the free furnish of the uh, backboard. Oh, that was nice of them. Like, yeah, it was nice. It cost him like thirty five. It was a uh, it was a, it was a, it was fun. It was fun. The kids was 
I was signing on a class, and it was, it was pretty fun. Did that make you start having second thoughts about your choice of, of athletics to get into? Did you think about switching at that point? Honestly, I, I didn't think about switching. I thought about uh, continuing to play both sports. Because uh, when I was I played football and basketball all through high school and then junior college. And, and Navarro, Navarro College, then I stopped. Because, you know, I wanted to just focus on football more. And But, you know, I, 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 if, with the day, I should have just kept playing both. Because I had tremendous love for both sports. Uh, I should have, because, you know, it was kind of tough on my body. It's an overlap. Playing football. Yeah, yeah, playing football and then crossing over to basketball right with season only. So I didn't really have time for rest. Yeah, isn't there sometimes an overlap with the NBA season and the NFL season? Uh, yeah, it, it does. It does. Um, uh, cause, um, when I was in college, I came in uh, when I got out of uh, football. Uh, I came in like uh, like two games uh, into the basketball season. When I was at the Virginia College, and you know it was you know I didn't have that much time. You know, when you play a football season, you gotta get a little rest before you transfer over to basketball. But I should have kept, I should have kept doing it. Wow, I can only imagine what would have happened with that. Um, but I want your feeling a little bit on this. These are some things that haven't been really in the media lately. They haven't really been in discussion. But I'm curious about this. I've never talked to a pro player before, so I want your feeling about about the locker room. Um, uh, in 2014, and I asked this question not even knowing anything about your about 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 you personally, so I don't even know yeah. if this speaks to you at all. Um, but uh, you remember uh, Michael Sam in 2014 in the draft announced he was a homosexual uh, coming into the NFL, and it was like a big thing where some athletes were coming off as real jerks, you know, given their point of view of how they wouldn't want to be in a locker room with a homosexual. Now, um, how do you feel about that? Do you think that was a publicity stunt? Do you think it's overblown? I, I imagine there's been homosexuals in the locker room kind of unspoken for, for decades. Yeah, I, I, I believe so, too. Uh, when I was playing, I had a lot of um, uh, assumptions that people would, you know, on a down low or, or, or something like that. But, you know, when it comes to the game of football, the game of football is just, uh, I mean, uh, uh, homosexual, heterosexual, it's, it's about, you know, how you play the game and how you play together. Uh, you know, because I, I, as, as I look at it from from the standpoint of right now, when I'm at the game, and, like, if I'm playing it from a managing standpoint, you know, long as people are playing together and being effective on the field and not being a distraction off the field, you know, it's, it's about winning. And... The league is about winning, and regardless if you're you're homosexual or you're heterosexual, you know, regardless if you're not a distraction on the field and the locker room, and you're you're making and you're winning, you know, you're playing well together, and I don't see an issue with it, as long as it's not a distraction uh, off the field and you're losing with uh, distractions between, you know, making a big bigger thing than what it is. Because, you know, a lot of people are, a lot of people are, are, a lot of people are maybe on the down low, but as a, as a person, 
who's about winning. You know, I don't discriminate. Right. So, uh, football is, is, is a winning sport. It's uh, a job. Say, for instance, Tom Brady, he's the most, you know, I had a big argument with a guy uh, yesterday about Tom Brady. And I said he's the, one of the best, he's the best quarterback ever. And he's like, no, I don't know, he's the most luckiest. I said, look, these can probably argue that, but you can't argue he's the most accomplished quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue that. He's the most accomplished quarterback in the NFL. Nobody. Is, he has a, a Super Bowl ring for everything. Right. How can you decl- How do you deny that, right? No, you can't deny it. And with, with okay, we can even say two things. Either Atlanta Falcons had the biggest bust of the <laughs> Super Bowl history, or we could say, you know, the Patriots team defense came together, put things together, and Clay and Tom Brady uh, brought everybody back on that offense and scored and came back from a 20-point deficit from uh, halftime. And that's unheard of. Right. I've never done that before. And if Tom Brady retires, he retired one of the best quarterbacks ever. You can't deny it. You can't. I, I'm a Dolphin fan. I'm a Dolphin fan. I don't want to say it. I don't want to admit it, but it's true. Yeah, and I, and I said this. I told everybody, I said, look, you know, if Tom Brady keep playing, he's going to break everybody's record. And um, he gonna he go he, he coming for Dan Marino too. He broke Brett Favre's record. Uh, I think it was for most completions or something like that this year. <laughs> and I, I think he's like yep. third or second or something like that. Uh, but I know he's coming for Dan Marino. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, because you know it, it's the difference between uh, you know and me. You know when I look at uh, Tom Brady, he's like 38, 39. And he's still playing at a very high level, productive wise. You know, amazing. Uh, even Brett Favre, even Brett Favre, he's, uh, he's a really great player. But towards the years, his numbers start to decline. But you know, when we speak about Tom Brady, he's still, you know, playing a you know, top five quarterback uh, in the NFL every year. He's still putting up big numbers. You know, 300, 400 yards per game. Still playing at a high level, and, and you got to owe it to him and owe it to the coaching staff and and, and the players that's around him. That uh, the coaches put a system. They coach a system. They don't coach players. They coach system. And uh, you know, I give them a big up to uh, Bill Belichick. Oh yeah. And, uh, and Tom Brady because uh, can't do it with one without the other. No, I will. I will say. I think a lot of it is coaching. I mean, a lot of it is Tom Brady. I remember when all that talk about numbers was about Fran Tarkenton. I hope these guys, these older old timers, don't get forgotten once their numbers are lost. But uh, wow, it is amazing, and you make a great point. How you can't judge somebody based on just not liking them or not liking something about them. What they do in the field is what they do in the field, and that's what it's all about yeah. in the end. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, uh, you're here to play a game, and regardless of what you do, you know outside of the game, you know, that's your personal business. Uh, it's not nobody else's. You know, if you want to go out there and tell everybody and, and 
exploit yourself, that's your personal business. That's what you do. But, you know, regardless, as long as you're winning and, and you're playing well together, uh, you know, that, that's my main concern. That's my main concern. So I mentioned... I mentioned earlier that I'm a... I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, Michael. I, I mentioned earlier I'm a Dolphin fan, so you know I'd be... I know. <laughs> we, uh, no, I know um, oh, oh, Dolphins, man. Uh, that's a great one. Um, A&M, yeah, I got the A&M quarterback. And, uh, and then y'all got... Y'all picked up two? Yeah. Uh I like him, man. I like his, his uh, uh, style of playing, uh, old school style of playing. Sue and y'all got uh, defensive end Wake. Wake. Uh, he came off of an injury. Uh, he was in CFL for a while, then got picked up by uh, Miami. Um, so he's a really great player. He's the real deal. Miami. When I look at Miami, they have a really good like set of crew. They, you know, they just need a couple more pieces. To make them whole, you know, they got you know quarterback is plus is solid. They need a couple more pieces in the defense, you know, far as secondary wise. But yeah. Miami is one of, I think Miami is one of the premier teams. Um, and you know what? Uh, I know they got, you know, they should get uh, Cruz. They should try to get go get Victor Cruz since he's on the market. Yeah. They need, uh, what's, uh, what they need? Target. They need a good target. And, and build receivers around them because if not, uh, I think the Cruz probably be a good fit for Minnesota. Yeah. Or because they their defense is pretty good, and you know they need a couple more pieces. Minnesota or Detroit. Honestly, I don't think he would go. I don't want. I don't, he would go to Detroit. <laughs> I think he'd get lost there. Yeah, yeah, he would lost there. But but uh, yeah, they need a couple more pieces because they got. You know, some players on defense. You just get a couple more pieces on offense. You know, a couple of linemen. You know, a, a good pitch and tight end. But, but I, you know, I, 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 I like Miami. I, I do, too. I think the Miami Gallows will still start this season. If it's any different, they have a higher seed in the playoffs. They just, uh, it took some government coming together. And they, they're where they need to be mentally for the first time, I think, in like 20 years. But um, it's a matter of, like you said, a couple pieces here and there uh, could make a big difference. Uh, but what I was bringing up before, Michael, was being a Dolphin fan, you know I'm familiar with the whole idea of hazing in the locker room. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, that, that, that was, um, you know, that was a bad, bad deal. You know, you never heard from that about that offensive line at uh, I haven't. I, I don't know what happened to him, but uh, never heard too much from him after after he, um, you know, started talking about hazing. Because in Green Bay, you know, we didn't really haze. We wasn't about that. Or you know, Green Bay is one of the one of the you know the one of the you know professionals organizations I've ever been a part of. Uh, we didn't do hazing or nothing like that, but we did something more where rookies had to pay for you know. Uh, a D line dinner, your position group dinner, right? And you know, you know, me as a rookie, a little six six round draft pick, you know, and I would be, I'd take out the D line, and they and and if you take the stat sheet, man, these guys were no small jokers, man. They was big, 
and they could eat a lot. And I was like, man, look, I ain't no millionaire, man. I got me a little, little six round salary. They gonna eat, eat my checkup. But, but I said, I'd rather get hazed than rather than, than pay, pay for y'all to get something to eat. I'm gonna take y'all to fancy Brett Favre Steakhouse. Yeah. Every meal is thirty bucks, thirty, thirty or higher. Wow. Thirty, thirty, fifty linemen. Ray Jackson, three, three twenty. <laughs> you know, Hunt, three fifty, six four. But, but yeah, we didn't do no like hazing or nothing like that. Yeah, I, th- I think there. I think it's. I guess it's a case by case kind of thing because I, I know that the whole locker room pretty much was uh, like, "Hey, I, I didn't think anything was wrong," and then this one individual was having problems. Now, now here's the thing that's, that gets tricky for me is at some point there could be an individual issue, and when that happens, they're going to overblow that to make their point, or else they'll never be able to save face. And I, I worry mm-hmm. that there might have been a little bit of that happening there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think so too. I like. I think it was overblown. Oh, but it was just. I don't know. He just got a. He just got hurt. Cause you know you really don't hear nobody else complaining, uh, saying stuff. Yeah, complaining about it. Actually, the people they like it. They some of the rookies like it. They like you know being on social media, getting pictures, you know, videos, you know, being taped to goalposts. Carrying helmets, taking pictures of other people's jerseys. So people, you know, the rookies, you know, with social media and, and all that uh, coming to play, you know, rookies are looking forward to, to to being in the spotlight. Right. So, so it's it's different, right? It's different now because of uh, how big social media is. Now, do you think uh, do you think there's a loyalty issue in sports? Because uh, if I can say real quick, I feel like loyalty in sports. You know, even though we talk a lot about fair weather fans, I feel like the paying fan, the basketball fan, the hockey fan, the football fan, the baseball fan, I feel like we are the most loyal person in the entire equation to sports. And and I think there's a lot of, I'm probably opening up a can of worms to this one, but I, I know there's a lot of ways to look at it from the athlete standpoint and the owner standpoint of, of a team. But I feel like loyalty is a real issue. Like, no one cares more about Rather, LeBron James stays in Cleveland than, than the fan. No one cares a lot, of, you know, that much about. Rather, um, you know, any player stays. Brett Favre stays in Green Bay more than the fan. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, the, the game has changed, and especially in basketball, more than so. Especially uh, because you know, um, you know, usually you know they make deals, you know, between the office and uh, the players. But now the players are making deals with other players. Right. Uh, you know, and it happens during, uh, you know, Olympics and all-star games. So they're all talking together. Say, so, hey, you want to come play with me? Well, oh, man, yeah, I might like that. So, so it's a lot different. It's a lot more frequently in football, I mean, in basketball, because all the superstars are playing with each other. And you know, back in the day, you, you never see Michael, Michael Jordan wanting to play with with, with uh, Larry Bird or, or play with the Lakers with, with uh, Magic Johnson. You know, they were too, too busy trying to beat them. Right. And, and that's some of the things you miss. You know, back back in the day, uh, the the, com- the competition that you know, like, hey, we're, we're friends, but I want to beat you. I want to play with you. I want to beat you. 
and, and take my team with me. And, 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 you know, through all the interviews, and LeBron might not admit it, uh, but when he won with Cleveland, it was one of the best championships ever from his last two with Miami. So he probably cherished the one in Cleveland more than he cherished his first two with Miami because he did it uh, by himself on his home team. Well, he didn't do it by himself, but, yeah, I see what you mean. He didn't do it by himself, but he did it, you know, with, you know, uh, in his home team, and he had, you know. Right, not everybody's a number one on their team. That's like the whole five roster, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, yeah, he didn't have, like, a, a, you know, two big superstars with him. Uh, he had a rookie, I think a second-year player with Ewing, and, and had Love that was, you know, playing hurt. He was, you know, not consistent with his game because he, he was hurt and coming off the bench. So. Some guy named Irvin, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, another Duke alumni. I, 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 I mean, I mentioned man, Duke was one of my my favorite schools. Uh, coming out, I was like, I told myself I was gonna play basketball with Duke, play with Coach K. But, but, because uh, they always put out good, tremendous uh, athletes, educated. And, um, but, you know, overall, LeBron probably would say that. Yeah, that's hard for me to hear. That's hard for me to hear. <laughs> you know, being from Miami, I believe that in my heart that he said that, you know, he asked him which of the best, which year, which championship was his one of his best, all-time high out of the three. And he's going to say, please, I guarantee you that. Yeah, it's okay. I'm okay with that. I, I gotta say though, you know, I think players are um, are ego driven more than anything else. Money and ego driven, in my opinion. Um, as a fan, uh, I'll give you an example. Of course, again, coming out of Miami, I, I love the big three. I love the big three, obviously, um, mm-hmm. for for selfish reasons. But one of the things about it that I could defend was that our big star. Um, our homegrown star, who we drafted, Dwayne Wade, was taking pay cuts to make that happen. Mm-hmm. He was agreeing to less money. I mean, it was it was it was eventually the undoing of his relationship with Miami, but he was taking pay cuts, and I thought that was the most admirable, most uh, most respectable thing you could see. What, you know, why not have the big three if they're going to make sacrifices that? Um, no other player in sports are willing to make. And I thought that was really, really commendable on Dwayne Wayne's part. And to see that that came to the point to where he's going, you know what? You guys are taking advantage of me. I said it the first year, the second year, the third year, and now I, I can't say it anymore. you got to give me my money. And as a business standpoint, from a professional level, I see that. But from just as, as a fan, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, man, Dwayne Wade, man, he brought a championship to Miami. And, you know, he he brought, yeah, he played, got three championships. And, you know, I, I really hate because that's one player I do, I love watching with Dwayne Wade. I love how he plays. I love his character. And I love, you know, he sacrificed him to make the team happen and, and not to see, you know, you know, things happen, you know, 
you know, it's it's, it's unfortunate for Miami. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess there's no way around it, right? I mean, there's going to be so many, there's, there's so many ways to look at it because you could say that you could say he was incredibly loyal because a lot of players would have left two years earlier or three mm-hmm. years earlier. So I don't know. I, I just I, I miss the days of like a Larry Bird or a Dan Marino that finishes their career. And if you look at Dan Marino, he's a great example because he had a chance to go to Minnesota, and you know his career, you know he could still get it done on the field. But you also could see the diminishing abilities. Uh, he wasn't going to finish. And really, you, you look at a guy like Peyton Manning, sure, he had one career year in Denver, but when they won the championship, he had, no, he had very little to do with that in Denver. And you look at Brett mm-hmm. Favre, he got it done in Minnesota. He got it done in New York, but he couldn't finish it in New York and Minnesota to the point to where people barely remember it. Like, I almost refer to Brett Favre as the guy that finished in Green Bay, and that's not how it happened. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes I think it's better to, to just you know call it a career when you're at that point rather than waste time on a team you know is never going to win. That's mm-hmm. just my that's just my feeling on it. Yeah, I mean you know you know sports is is uh, is opportunity is uh, you know um, sports is an opportunity because uh, you're taking a chance on everything. Uh, every game, every series, every season, um, and we probably could argue that that Brett Favre should have retired when he was in Green Bay, uh, but you know he wanted to take a chance, and he want you know he had a chip on his shoulder about how things went down. How he left, yeah, yeah, how he left, and he wanted to prove everybody wrong, and uh, you know. Like I say, you know, I always, I always told, told when I do speaking and everything, I always tell kids, you know, football is a prove me sport. You gotta have a prove me attitude. I'm gonna prove you attitude. Like, I'm gonna prove that I'm good. I'm gonna prove that I, I play hard. I'm gonna prove that, you know, I'm worthy of being a, a NFL player. So, you know, in his mindset, he's had a chip on his shoulder and he wanted to prove to the uh, Green Bay organization and to other NFL teams that, you know, he was uh, a good player. And the same with Tom Brady. Tom Brady was the six-round draft pick. And, you know, uh, he ran like a 5-2 in the 40. And they were saying about he was slow, he was weak. You know, this guy's never going to make it. And with all that being said, he played with a chip on his shoulder. And same with another story with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, um, when my draft classmate, we got drafted in 2005 together, and we both we both got to Green Bay together. And uh, our first year, I was playing more than him because <laughs> I was coming <laughs> off the bench. Uh, but you know, he sat behind Brett Favre for three years, three to four years, um, watching You know you know, being scout team quarterback for us. And, you know, I watched how that guy developed. And he took practice serious and honed his skills and became the Aaron Rodgers we know today. So it's all about proving to yourself and to you of, of, of your worth and your value and working hard. Because, you know, everybody was like, oh, man, he's so great. And I saw from firsthand how he practiced and how he was so so 
he worked so hard, and I was like, man, he's got is gonna gonna do some special things. Funny story, um, Rip Fox. You know, during the season, during training camp, I don't see how that guy gets any sleep. You know that little bullhorn that you blow? Yeah. Um, uh, Brett Farr in the morning in training camp, he would go around um, uh, training camp blowing that bullhorn around. And I remember there was one time during the break, uh, me and Aaron Rodgers were playing uh, some cards at, in, um, in the locker room. And Brett Farr walked up to Aaron Rodgers and blew that bullhorn in his ear and walked off. And, you know, me, you know, I'm I'm a passionate guy. I was a rookie and, you know what I'm saying, I was, trying to, I was just trying to show everybody that I, I, I deserve to be in the NFL. And, and, um, and I was like, Aaron Rodgers, what, what, what's wrong with you, man? You better go take care of that. I said, look, man, Hall of Fame player <laughs> or not, I'm not going to let nobody disrespect me like that. Or you get to bust out your eardrums. You yeah, shouldn't let that happen. <laughs> Man, i go take care of that. If I was you, i go handle that. I would talk to Brett Farr in that ice tub. But he was like, he was like, he was like, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's so modest, man. He's, he's a real stand-up person. He was like, don't worry about it, Mike. You know, he's, he's, out, the, he's out the door. Um, this will be my team, and I'm going to lead it to the Super Bowl. I'm going to win the Super Bowl for y'all. Showing up, he did. He that. did. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. very. That's a very cool story. I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, I like that a lot. And we are going to finish up next week on Thursday. I'll have Michael Montgomery back to finish up our discussion, where he talks more about his acting career, getting into acting. And uh, we talk about ten questions. Ten questions, pretty interesting. He'll answer the question: Is grabbed him by the pussy locker room talk? You're going to want to hear that. Now, tomorrow, tomorrow is my extra Scientology edition episode, first part, part one, where I talk to Aaron Smith-Levin, and uh, we get to hear about why his wife wasn't on uh, the full story, why his wife wasn't on the Leah Remini uh, Aftermath show, and we'll also uh, talk to Paul Weissong. Now, this is a conversation. I understand Paul is trying not to get too public because he's got a case going on and there's some legal implications. So we don't get any details out, but we just get the general gist of the story, and I'll talk about other wise cases that are going on. So you can see that this isn't just a, an isolated thing, um, and I have a lot to say about that. So you'll hear me talk about that tomorrow uh, on this very show at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And next week, uh, you know, we finish up with uh, with Aaron Smith-Levin, and there will be more announcements to come for future guests on the show. So uh, hope to see you tomorrow. Until then, that about sums it up. Have a good day, everybody. All the spot analysis. Am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get that. Gotta get that. Gotta get some. My favorite, though. Am I? You're my favorite. Oh, thank you so much. I I did not. You put me on the e-meter and asked me a question, and the needle would float.